Amen. Amen. We're on. We're wired for sound. We're ready to go. Uh, as soon as the children's workers come back, we'll um, really get into it. Because I don't want them to miss this first portion. So, is everybody all right? Everybody happy? Good. Um, when I was thinking about what to speak on, I go through all these mental gymnastics or emotional gymnastics or spiritual gymnastics and I go from one thing to another to another to another. And um, sometimes I get wrapped up in doing a PowerPoint, which I hope you appreciate when I do because it takes a long time. So today, you haven't got a PowerPoint and I haven't got any real notes either. But I have got a message. I have got a message because I felt very clear about what the Lord wanted me to speak about, um, but I don't know what it's going to sound like yet, so we do need to ask him, Lord, make sure that you harness my words as, um, as I begin today. Uh, I have a, a jotter here because some of what I'm going to say, I'm going to refer to what we're doing in, in SWAT at the moment, the Spiritual Warfare Apostolic Training on a Friday, um, because there is going to be a greater and greater correlation between what's happening in prayer and what we're doing as a body. We can no longer think of it as this prayer over here and this is church. If you were to define a church service to most people, they would do the, you know, we have a bit of worship, we have some singing in the spirit, we do this, we do that, then somebody preaches, we do an offering, and all these elements of a, a church gathering are important and are necessary, but that's nothing like the early church. They didn't have a schedule, they didn't have agenda, they didn't have cameras, they didn't have, let's minute this, so that we just make sure the preach is within this 25-minute section. They gathered around him, and they let him organize what they did. They let him decide how long they were going to be there. They let him deal with them. And we don't do that at the moment. Nothing to do with my preach. I'm just waiting for the, to, for the parents to come back in. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we were at Dudley. I think it was last week, wasn't it, when we picked Anne up? And um, Chuck, our apostolic figure over the, the ministry or alongside, aligned, we're aligned with Chuck, as you know, he spoke and all you can do with Chuck is write some kind of bullet points. But one thing he said did its job and I've been meditating on that and out of that has come what I want to share. He said this, um, God has an order for kingdom government we know that's the season we're in. We know that the Lord is dealing with the church worldwide. Just had a conversation with uh, Liz, who considers this to be part of her UK church family. But Liz, uh, Liz lives in Australia, and she's with us today, but she's been to another church this morning uh, in Willington, and the message from the bishop down was all about what we were doing in the, in the watch this morning. So she's mildly encouraged because the Lord isn't saying it in one way to one group of people. The Lord has a heart for this season of what he wants to do in the nations to prepare a body worldwide for the return of Jesus. 
And whichever which way we're going to hear that message, he's going to get it to us. Just like when Jesus said, when he went to the Father, uh, you know, I'm, go I'm going to the Father, but I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you in John 15, where it says, and when the Holy Spirit comes, he will show you all things. But that word isn't just show you, it's reveal, declare, transmit, and disclose. You've been with me too long. Declare, disclose, reveal, and transmit. So whichever way you need to receive what the Lord's doing is going to get, it's going to make sure that you're in it. And you've got to be in it to win it. So Chuck said, God has an order for kingdom government and we are the enforcers of that plan. He talked about Judah having to go first. There's an order for victory. We know that. Judah, the worship, is the, has to be the, the foundation and the first he assigns us to certain warfares in our territory and then he went on about the enemy will lose ground if you're in the right order. Then he talked about uh, Elijah and I think this morning in the prophetic word that Gordon brought, I don't know whether it was in the watch or the service, about the, uh, the, the cloud the size of a man's hand. The Lord is doing something and it's building and there might just be a minute shift in our, what we're seeing at the moment, but there will come a moment where there's the tipping point and it's going to be, we're going to be in it. It's going to overtake us for all of us. So that's why it's important to prepare for it. Elijah had the burden, but it, it didn't, the, the cloud didn't come, the, the rain didn't come right there when he saw the cloud. It was some time after. But this was the key thing that Chuck said. In this season, there is a new watchman call. A new prayer dimension will produce an apostolic advancement. And when we were in the Burton Leaders meeting, uh, just a core group of us, a few weeks ago, one of the leaders turned to me and said, you've just done a 12-hour, 24-hour prayer watch. And I tried to play it down saying, yeah, but that's just, you know, that's just what the Lord's called us to do, and it's, it's only our team, and as if I was trying to apologize for the pressing through of what we're doing. I could hear myself do it. And then he turned to another leader, and he said, and you're in a 40-day window at the moment of a 40-day prayer and fast, aren't you? And this other church leader said, yes. So this other leader then said, we're going for this mission. I think it's time we had a higher focus on prayer and I think we should aim for a an all-night prayer watch in the town and you guys are going to take the lead on it you could have knocked me down with a feather because there has been a shift might be the size of a cloud the size of a man's hand but let me tell you that shift has surely taken place now, we don't stay where we are. We've broke through. And, and one of the other leaders said to me on Friday night, when I'm like, you know, is this okay? This is the way we do it, but it might not be the way you do it. And he said, calm down. It's fine. We all knew we had to be in the war room for the breakthrough of what's to come. He said, we knew. Now, this tells me that the shift has taken place in the mentality of some people in the town to recognize the Lord had to do that for the sake of this. And all we were was simply obedient 
to that which looked unusual. It doesn't look like anything else, but we're going to dig in and we're going to do it and we're going to enjoy doing it because we always like joy on the journey, don't we? So where am I going? You will like this. Promise. Acts chapter 12, if you have a Bible and you want to turn to it, Acts chapter 12. This is the story, don't switch off when you know it so well, of Peter in prison. Peter was impulsive, he was, ex- he was expressive, he said silly things, he did some impetuous things, but he proved himself faithful, a faithful follower of Jesus in the end. Let me give you a little potted history. First time we hear of him is in Matthew 4, when Jesus calls him and his brother Andrew to follow. He, you could say of Peter he was independent and confident, but he got things done. Are we a can-do people? Amen. There's a few of us then. Matthew 16, it was Peter who was ready to answer for everyone. Jesus says, who do men say that I am? And Peter's the one that says, on behalf of everybody else, we believe you're the Christ. So Peter was also the one who you could say, open mouth, insert foot. Jesus is explaining, listen guys, I'm going to be going to Jerusalem, I'm preparing you, I need you to understand what's going to happen. And Peter says, oh no, not far be it Lord, you can't possibly do that. And Jesus doesn't say, now let me just explain a different way. He looks him right in the eye and says, get behind me Satan, you're about to partner with a spirit that is going to stop me doing what I need to do. Watchmen, listen, listen with your ears. We are not about making a way for ourselves that seems good to men. We're going to listen to what the Lord says and we're going to do it no matter what. Amen? That's the first time he puts his foot in it. Second time, he uh, is, that's Matthew 16, Matthew 17. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James and John up the mountain and he is transfigured before them. His face shone, his clothes were white like Moses and Elijah came and Peter says, let's set up a camp. Let's have a holiday here. Again, he was impetuous. He was on it, but he wanted to build a memorial to that moment. Apostolic and prophetic people are not going to stand and sit in the moment and stay there. The war room is fabulous, and many people are coming to see it, taste it, enjoy it, but that is not our end game. It's not going to be our end game till we see the kingdom of God in its fullness manifesting around us. We're at war until we see that break out. We're at war until you get what you're fighting for. Till I get what I'm fighting for. So right in mid-sentence, Jesus, can't we just build something here? God says. And God is going to keep coming down. And, of course, the appropriate response for Peter right there was, Let's, we, we need to worship here. Let's just realize what we're in. Peter continued to reveal this kind of behavior. and, and ex, ex, uh, ex, he, was, he, was, he was on it all the time. When Jesus wanted to wash Peter's feet, he protested, oh, you'll never wash my feet. And so Jesus said, well, if I don't wash your feet, you'll have no part of me. Well, don't just wash my feet then. Wash me fe- everything, everything. That was Peter all over. It's like all or nothing. That's like us. We need to be all or nothing. Can't, no middle ground. You're either in or you're not. Hot or cold. Don't be middle ground. And then towards the end, of course, uh, as Jesus 
is taken away, there's the pride that goes before the downfall. And Jesus says, you're going to deny me. Not me, I'd never do that. He says, you are, you're going to deny me three times. And it's Peter that actually finds beyond that, when many would give up, the courage to persevere. Can you imagine those three days when he hasn't, he's not got the opportunity to go and deal with it and talk to Jesus about it? He must have gone through absolute hell and torment. And many a person would have gone to the suicide route, but not Peter. He stuck in and he became, in the, in the Acts of the Apostles, one of the foremost that built the church. He became one of the key builders of the church. He moved uh, after that denying Jesus. It was a, then in John 21, you see um, he's, uh, he's fishing, you know, and he, and he goes from, from fisherman to shepherd when Jesus says, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. So that's a little bit of potted history. So the church has begun in Acts 2. Peter stands with the 11 and raises his voice. And he says, let it be known, heed my words. He starts to preach with a power and a boldness. And then Acts 3, he heals a lame man at the temple gates and he gives a sermon to those watching. Then he heals Aeneas, is it? Aeneas in 9. And Dorcas, uh, later on in chapter 9, so he had the power at work in him to heal the sick, and he knew it. Right, we come to Acts 12 now. Acts 12, he is put in prison because Herod sees that things are happening, and it pleases the Jews when they the Christians, those that are followers of Jesus, are being persecuted. This pleases the religious structure. So he does no more than put Peter in prison. Now, I know we're on camera, but I want you to see this. Because in Acts 12, it says, Peter is in prison. So let's have, uh, we want a Peter, really. We need a Peter. Uh, let me just think. No, I don't need a male Peter at the moment. I need a female Peter. So, Dick, you can just be Peter for me at the moment. Because, this is why I want to show you this. If Dick, you just come and stand here. It tells us that Peter was in prison between two guards. So, Howard, you can be one guard. You can be up close and personal. Steve, you can be another guard. Don't read your scripture right now. Do not read any further. Keep your eyes on me. Can anybody tell me how many other guards there were? Don't you tell me because you're supposed to know. You're the apostolic leader of the house. Anybody but Steve. Don't look at your scripture. Does anybody know how many guards there were? Have a stab then. One, four, five, eight, nine, I've heard. Sixteen. 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 That tells me that whatever Peter was demonstrating or displaying was dangerous to the governmental structure. So I want sixteen men. Dad, you can be a man. Come on. Ian? Brian, Pete, 
Frank, Alan, Stuart, Elliot, Dave, Gordon, how many have we got? So Dit, here. Dit's Peter. She's between two. One here and one here. Then we got we got four fours. So we want two, you two. You, yeah, I know, we'll get them there. You're going to strengthen him. Dave, you're going to strengthen him. Then I want four here, looking at me. And I want four more here, looking at me, in front of them. No, we're Dave strengthening Howard. Steve, stay with the picture. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. I want four more. Julian? Chris? Ke Keith? I don't know your name, sorry. But please come. Can you visualize this? This guy here needs all this. You are dangerous. Tell your neighbor you're dangerous. 16. And here's King Herod. I'm frightened of him. I need some heavies. Look heavy, guys. You look, look heavy. Now... God plus one is a majority. God can do anything. Is that right? So God's going to set Peter free. We know the end of the story. Does God set Peter free? You're all wrong. You're all wrong. Does the angel come and set Peter free? You're all wrong. You are all wrong. You read in your scripture through a lens that takes no, which allows you and I to take no responsibility. Peter does not set himself free. The church prayed earnestly. The church prayed earnestly. The church prayed earnestly. The church prayed earnestly. Can you see how the enemy, with every single one of us, is trying to stop us praying? Because, Lord, you can set Peter free. You can even send an angel. We can even worship until your presence comes. Then I'm sure that'll move you enough to do something because I don't have to pray then. I don't have to stand up all night. I don't have to do it. The church prayed earnestly. So you guys, because Peter's in prison and he's part of you. Oh, let's have a prayer meeting. I wonder if we could do all night. Don't know. Are you going? I don't know. I'm, I might go. I might not. I can only do a couple of hours. Um, well, I'll see you there if I can. Got a few things on. Well, I've had a terrible day. Been looking after the grandchildren all day. It's ever so hard. I don't think I'll be able to make it. Whatever the reason or excuse, I don't read them in the New Testament. I don't read. I, all I read was the church prayed earnestly. The church prayed unusual. The church prayed in a different way because what Chuck said was that this apostolic move and the new watchman call means the church has to pray in a different way. Peter was in prison and they had never prayed like this before. It says that. They, they didn't know what to do except to throw themselves on God and say, God, keep him safe, keep him safe, keep him safe. Because it says they prayed for his safety. In, they didn't even pray, police set him free, just keep him safe. Because we know what they're doing. We know what Herod's doing. The Her Herod is torturing them. He's torturing our brothers and sisters. He's pulling them limb from limb. He's giving them a hard time. 
Some of them are, are, are losing their life and being martyred. Lord, don't stop it. Just make Peter safe. Keep him safe. Whatever he's doing, keep him safe. Keep him safe. Guess what Peter was doing? You need to give Dit a chair. You do, if you don't read your scripture, you can sit down, Dick, so we won't make you go on the floor. Sleeping. His sleep. All oh, that, guys, if you just turn around. Now, you've not only just got to look like you're really mean business because you're about to you 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 what herod has done and the jews have incited these guards they just want one one reason just look at, let's wait for that one reason that herod will give us and we've got somebody here we can tell him from lynn they're not just saying oh you know it's, it's, a, it's a bad job isn't it when you've got to sit and wait here you got to see it's a, it's a rough job we've got they enjoyed every minute Every one of these Christians that they could get their hands on, they wanted to slaughter them and make it hard. So these guys are not only tough, they are waiting for an opportunity to kill this guy and to kill him slowly. These are aggressive men. These are men that have been trained in war, but they've also been trained to kill. They are nasty individuals. It's that we, we read the scripture like it's some kind of game, and it's not. They were trained to kill, so they're looking out. They want this guy. And the scripture says that the church prayed earnestly. And then it also says that the Lord didn't answer them straight away. So the Lord's trying to train the church. Come on. When we, go, when we go to pray, when we did the night hours, I was trying to explain to somebody from one of the other churches. So, you know, how do you do it? Do you have like an agenda or what? I said, no, no, we try and hear what the Lord wants us to pray about and we try and move with that. It's a whole different ball game. So the church is trying to find the heart of God. How do we pray for him? How do we pray for him? How do we pray for him? Keep praying. You're doing great. Keep asking me. You're doing great. Keep seeking me. You're doing great. Keep hearing how the Spirit's moving. Keep that hope high. Come on. Keep, keep in there, which is what we do. But the church prayed earnestly, and they prayed together. It wasn't one person in their house and one person in their house. They were together. So what happens? Right, this is what happens. Angel. Angel comes and wakes him up. It says it hits, it hits him on the side. Says the angel wakes him up. Now Peter doesn't know. It says he doesn't know. He doesn't. doesn't he has no idea. Dreamy, <laughs> sleeping like a baby, because he's got a good relationship. He has. Remember all those things I've told you. He's been with him. He heard him on the seashore. Feed my sheep. He ain't got care in the world. Because if you kill me, it's okay. I'm going to see him quicker. That's how he was living. Sleeping like a baby. And all these guys, ready for you, ready for you. Which one of us is going to have the joy of ripping him limb from limb? So the angel wakes him up and immediately, because these two guys here, they had got him chained up. So the chains fell off. And he says, Peter, get yourself up, get your cloak and everything. Uh-oh. Bible says, the angel said, follow me, right? Just do what I do. It's going to be fine. 
and it goes through these and these and these. Goes through. How? Now, I'm going to talk. Guys, you can go back to your seats now. <laughs> You're a great drama group. But I want, the, I want Dick because it says that the angel led Peter right down the lane before it disappeared. So something is going on as Peter comes through all the guards. And then when the angel leaves, Peter then goes, oh, my goodness, I'm set free. The Lord has done it. Amen. She's great. Thanks, Dick. You can go back to your seat. And I, I want you to see one or two things from this story. Because we look at an Old Testament uh, uh, example, let's say Jehoshaphat or the walls of Jericho, and we know we're not in those days and those times, so we look for the spiritual principle for it, don't we? And we say, well, obviously, we're now dealing with principalities and powers, and it's, it's spiritual things that we are, we're supposed to be against now. And we use the physical historic account of what actually happened, but we translate it into the spirit. Let's do that with this story. Every one of those guards represents a spiritual, demonic structure that is keeping you in your prison and me in my prison. Sixteen, maybe it's unbelief, maybe it's division, maybe it's isolation, maybe it's rejection, maybe it's fear, maybe it's torment, maybe it's deception and lies, maybe it's religious, religion, unrighteous rules, maybe it's depression, discouragement, anger, guilt, pride, maybe it's rebellion, shame, offense, insecurity. Just one of those demonic structures can keep a person bound, but the body of Christ has potentially four, eight, 12, 16 things operating at any one time. But God, but the church prayed earnestly. Peter's responsibility was to keep his heart and his life right with Jesus. When Jesus had gone, he was faithfully preaching the word. He was in his alignment. He was doing what he should do. Therefore, when he was in a position where he was bound or in a prison, the Lord could do what he could do. So first thing is for a believer is, are you doing what you're supposed to be doing? Are you doing it to the fullest? Are you a danger to the spiritual realm in what you're doing? Something as simple as an act of kindness can be a, an act of spiritual warfare if that's what you're supposed to be doing. Do you see what I'm saying? Your spiritual warfare is not just about standing in a prayer room and praying against or standing against demonic structures. It is the way you live. And many people are in a personal prison because of the way they live. If you're a believer and you've never been baptized, you will have given place to a, an enemy to stop you moving forward. If you're a believer in Jesus and you haven't found a house to be planted in and rooted in, you're giving place for the enemy to come and put you in a prison. 
If you're a believer and you're not tithing, that is, for those who don't know, 10% of what you earn. Well, I earn £100 a week, but I tithe, I give £2. That's not a tithe. A tithe is 10%. And that 10% doesn't belong to you, it belongs to God. So not only if you're not giving your 10% where you should be giving it, are you putting yourself in a position where the enemy can come and rob, you're also robbing God. So you're also becoming a thief in God's eyes. It says that. Will you rob God? So just check right now. Are you giving at least your tithe to the Lord? If the, where does that go? If you're in a house, if you're connected to a, a spiritual Christian body, it goes there because that's your storehouse. Is everybody clear about that? We, know, we make no apology for saying that. Why? Because if you're part of us in this house and you think you can receive anything of this anointing in this house and you're not tithing, you are deceived. People come to feed at the table at our events and that's fine in a corporate, you know, a, 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 a national event, touch point. We, put, we lay that altar out and people can feed, on, feed from whatever they want. But if you say, I am part of CAN, that's my apostolic alignment, my covering, that's where I expect they're going to fight for me when I'm in prison. I can't fight for you when you're in prison if you're not tithing into this house. Did you hear me? Because my prayers won't count in God's economy if you're not doing what you should be doing because you're nullifying them. Jenny, will you pray for me to do this? Will you pray for me to do that? I'm going to start saying, do you tithe? Because the church prayed earnestly because they were doing all the rest right. And if we're not doing the rest right, we are expending energy all night and we're getting worn out doing it, aren't we? There's the answer. Kev isn't here today because Kev spent all night in the, ha in the prayer room and because he was in it, and I don't mean just sitting there watching. The energy level in him has so dissipated. Jean said, I went to pick my husband up from the airport and I felt I was in a dangerous position because I'd done all night. That makes me want to war because something's not right. I'm not saying that anything, something's not right with Kev, something's not right with Jean. What I'm saying is this. That when God calls the church to pray earnestly and he puts a demand on us, he is going to give us the power and the grace to do what he asks us to do. My question is, is there something we're missing that won't enable us to get to our next place? Are you, are you with me? It might be. It might be simply this. Kev felt the responsibility because they knew at that time that they could... If, if they moved out of position, there was nobody in the gap. Whereas if Kev could have gone home for three hours, Kip, somebody else could have gone, come in for three hours, Kip. Do you see what I'm saying? For three hours prayer. Do you see what I'm saying? Is it that the church corporately isn't at that place yet? It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. Because what I saw during those night hours with the town-wide church was that the Lord was going to increase the authority 
on the, on the ecclesia in the town so that we can begin to declare what can come in and out of our city. We're not there yet because the authority isn't high enough. And the authority is directly related to how much intimacy we have with Jesus. He's going to release more authority to the church as the church prays earnestly. Ask yourself the question, are you part of the church? If you're part of the church in Burton, this house is part of church in Burton, then there is a place in a corporate prayer watch for you. Has to be. Well, does it mean I have to pray like everybody else? No. Does it mean I have to scream and shout like some of them do? No. But there will be a portion that you have to bring to take these 16 or more. It says that they were, gosh, 16. I, I said, Lord, 16, what's all that about? I believe the Lord is dealing with a blasé attitude in the body of Christ worldwide about prayer. And I think the houses of prayer that are currently in operation are going to see a transformation as the battle heats up. So let's go back to Peter in prison. Peter's in prison. What would be those things that you face that can't, that, that's stopping you moving forward. How do you need the Lord to deal with some of those things? Because I believe he wants to deal with some prisons today. Some structures that keep you in a place of confinement to stop you moving forward. Nothing is too hard for God, but the church prayed earnestly. Dave Floor's not here today because he's sick. Regular church would say, let's all pray for Dave today. Let's ask the Lord that he will comfort him. That as he's getting better, he'll be comfortable. And that his sickness won't go on too long. You know, if it's going to be two weeks, could we just have it? Hope he feels better tomorrow, Irene. It's not good enough. It's not good enough. I'm, I'm challenged myself. You know, some of you have family members. You're part of this house. I have family members who are not walking with the Lord. They've either walked with the Lord and they're not, or they're not even saved yet. And when we think about it, we throw up a prayer, don't we? Lord, you know, just remember... It's not good enough. Is it good enough? We have got to find the key together, folks. I'm not going to go outside and look for it. Because if we really believe this is the glory room, if we really believe this is where he's planted us to reach a destination in him, we have got to find the keys here before we say it to anybody else.
Peter was asleep in the prison whilst his life was in danger. He wrote his two letters to the church after this experience. Let me tell you what happened. Of course, you can read it in your own Bibles and you probably know the answer. But so Peter gets out of the prison, the angel disappears, and then Peter goes to where the church is praying. And it says in the Passion, her name was Rose. It was, uh, I think, a derivative of Rhoda. Comes to the door. <sighs> Do you see this? She can't believe it's him. She's praying for him. Earnestly, fervently. Declaring, decreeing. Standing against. And here he is. And she goes, oh, it can't be him. I think one of those ugly demonic structures had followed Peter and stood right in front of her to blind her eyes and cloak her heart. Because she then runs back in and she says, I've seen this person at the gate. And it looks like Peter, but it can't be, can it? And they all go, no, it can't. It says that the church didn't believe. The church didn't believe. So they're now in a corporate gathering and they don't believe. They're staying up all night and they still don't believe. And we come in on a Sunday morning after we've done our night watch. Wasn't it great on Friday? Yes, it was fabulous. Wasn't it amazing for the town? Yes. But what percentage of any of us, any of us that were there and there was probably during the night, I don't think, I don't think we dropped below about, 15 or 20 all through the night there was there was probably one place the 40 or or more at one portion of the night but if the lord could take a a gauge i wonder what percentage of faith there was in the room because if in the new testament the whole church could gather after signs wonders and miracles knowing the persecution that's going on if it can be written about them they didn't even believe then. What is going to challenge and stir us to a greater dimension and a greater depth? Tell me, because I'm going for it. You want to be part of my team? We are going for the jugular. This is it. We don't get a second chance about, about this. We are going for it. And we're going to lead in any which way we can till we see the result. So if it means that next time to preserve our brethren, we will put them on a, on, on a, a disciplined time. You stayed all night, Dick. And I was worried about Dick driving home. Jill stayed all night. And we had a, a meal with some church leaders last night. And they said, you are amazing to have such a team. And I said, well... There was Rose and Kev stayed, and I went through the ones that had stayed all night without breaking. And they said, that is incredible. It's incredible that people stayed, but it's incredible the amount of people that came to pray. That's not enough. Is it? The church. Steve said it. How many could there have been there? There could have been at least a thousand. 
What will it take for us to pray earnestly? Because when somebody's sick and they don't attend or they're not there, we just say, well, you know, pressure, whatever, whatever. We make all these reasons why, instead of looking at the 16 fellas that are potentially stopping the body moving forward, the corporate body moving forward. I don't think that Kevin really wants to be at home. His body has caved in and said, you need to be at home. I don't think David Bloor on a regular Sunday would be at home. Do you? And I'm using them as examples. There is absolutely no condemnation that they're at home. What I'm seeing is there's an enemy out there that doesn't want us to have the value of what they carry in this house today. So at some point, these guys have got together and put them in a prison. And the church? Tell Kev we've missed him. Tell Dave we'll see him next week. Instead of seeing the strategy of the enemy to take every one of us out and saying, not on my watch, not on my watch, not on my watch, not on my watch. I'll close with this because I'm not going to keep you any longer. You are pleased to know, I'm sure. So the 16 guards. If you haven't read ahead, you'll be pleased to know that when Herod found out that Peter was in prison, he put them all through seminary and said, let's get you retrained, guys. You didn't do a very good job last time, but we'll give you another try. They didn't get a second chance. Those demonic structures, when they're dealt with, they're dealt with. Herod had every one of them executed. No explanation. You were supposed to guard that dangerous man. You didn't do the job you were supposed to do. So you don't get another chance, and I don't want your explanation. You are going to be executed right now. You're finished. Aren't you glad you serve a God that is gracious, slow to anger, full of compassion? Maybe we think, well, he'll give me another chance anyway. Didn't make it this time. But there'll be another time, I'm sure. Well, bless the Lord, there's going to be another chance for an all-nighter in Burton. It's going to be at Riverside in a few weeks. And there's going to be two evening prayer meetings. It's not about that, is it? It's about what are we going to do when we know someone is out of action. I didn't do this. I didn't say to, to Rose, can we just stand and pray for Kev right now? I didn't say to Irene, I think we should just stand and pray for, for David. Because we tolerate these 16 guys. Are you with me or not? Am I preaching a good message or not? Is it challenging you or not? I knew it was a word from the Lord. I didn't know how it was going to be delivered. But God, give us a plan, an action, a reason, something that will move us from where we are to where you want us to be. We are the most privileged group in this region to have a war room. That thing has got to be used day in and day out 
night in and night out. It isn't there just to look pretty. It's there to do war. And when one of these church leaders said, we knew it had to be the first one in the war room. We are so privileged to have this. I thought, something's shifted. There's a new apostolic call and the watchman anointing is being released. And I believe God has given us the privilege to lead the way in that for the region and for the nation. So watch out world. We're coming through. We're a can-do people. Let's stand. Father, we thank you that we are so privileged to be in a body, a corporate group, Lord, who believes. Say, I believe. I I thank you, Father, that we are uh, immensely privileged to be on this road together with the rest of the town. And we ask you, Lord, that you would sharpen our ability to see the prison, to see how it's constructed around us, and to identify how we're to overcome each structure. Lord, for those of us that feel that we're in a prison today of some sort, I ask you, Lord, to bring clarity of strategy to get out, ability with brothers and sisters, and more than anything, that as the church gathers to pray corporately, we would understand how to wage war, to release the angelic, to see the prisoners set free, and to see the enemy thwarted. I bless, bless you, Lord, for the example of your word and for that that the, the early church fathers went through. We thank you, Lord, for the apostle Peter. We thank you, Lord, that he stayed the course. We thank you, Lord, that his death was not in vain. We thank you, Lord, that we can point back to him and say, just as you did with him, Lord, do with us. That was a few of us then. Lord, just as you did with them, do with us. For the sake of those in Burton, who in this next year, this next six months, this next two years, are going to come out of their prisons. Help us, Lord, for the church to pray fervently, corporately, and, and continually. In the name of Yeshua, amen. 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 Hallelujah. See you um, week after next. I might see you in the week. Uh, did I hear somebody? Did I hear somebody say it was her birthday today? Somebody's birthday. Carol, who led us in the communion. Happy birthday to you, Carol. Have a fabulous day. We appreciate you being part of us. Amen. Amen. Enjoy your week and enjoy pressing into prayer. Hallelujah.